Hello, hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire offseason, check out adcsports.com slash Dallas, specifically for Dallas Mavericks content. Turns out that Luca might be ready for Game 3, so we're excited about that, of course. Uh, well, actually, well, you know. Anyways, uh, primetime brought to you by our friends over at FreemanHyundai.com. Uh, we'll talk more about them on the right of the week in a few moments here on the show. I know that the Mavericks game is about to start, but excuse me, I did miss the news on whether or not it was made official. Uh, we'll see in a few moments if someone can confirm in the in the YouTube chat or the Facebook chat. Craig says, I would trade for Debo. And we had this conversation in depth last night in case you want to check it out later. But in short, I would probably look into it as well if I were in charge of the Cowboys. However, from zero to 10, my faith in the Cowboys doing so would be a, a definite uh, zero. Michael says, Luca is out. Ah, there you go. I, I had not heard those news. Honestly, I've been on, on school all, all day and I just got home. I'm so close to getting done with college. <laughs> edge at 24 is primetime fail only if it's the edge of our offensive line. Let's focus on the interior though. Well, we'll talk about that and more tonight because tonight we will talk about those players that could take the Cowboys plan at 24th overall, crumble it up, and throw it in the trash can. Just like supposedly the Cowboys did when CeeDee Lamp was there at 17 and then Michael Parsons was there at 12th overall even after they traded back two spots in the 2022, 2021 NFL draft. Now, take that with a grain of salt, however, and next Wednesday night, we have a guest on the show that, ha that actually talked to me about this. Be on the lookout for that because on the night before the NFL draft, we'll get, in my opinion, the best Cowboys columnist out there in Bob Storm, who will join us to get ready with a final preview of the 24th overall pick. Some conversations, interesting conversation about the wide receivers of this class, about the edge rushers, about team building and what the Cowboys draft strategy could be. Uh, it was a very fun conversation. Looking forward to sharing it with you on Wednesday night. Bob Storm, be on the lookout for that from The Athletic. But anyways, we'll talk about some of these fallers that could deviate the Cowboys from their plans at 24th overall. We've been talking about Zion Johnson. We've talked about Canyon Green. We've discussed the wide receivers as well. But I think some of these players might have been overlooked by Cowboys Nation. And the way that this 2022 NFL draft looks... It's very, very possible that some surprising names are up there at 24th overall because there is no clear consensus on who's the best wide receiver, who's the best offensive tackle, who's the best edge rusher. There is not such a consensus 
even less so deeper into the first round and the rest of the NFL draft on these prospects. Every NFL draft is unpredictable, but it feels like if you took all of them in recent years and compare them, 2022 would feel like one of the most unpredictable. <laughs> Toxic Tom says, Mo, what is your Taco Charlton story? Someday, Toxic Tom, someday. Uh, if a guy like Kralaf, this is primetime fail, is there somehow, it would be a great pick. Perfect segue into the first question that I have for you guys. Let's talk about the first of these fallers. And let's talk about George Karlaftis potentially being there at 24th overall. The question for you guys in the chat is, would you like or dislike drafting edge rusher George Karlaftis at 24th overall? What would be your reaction if the Pardue Boilermaker is there when the Cowboys are on the clock and Dallas decides to address their own pass rush. While you let me know your answers, and before I tell you mine, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanHyundai.net. This is the final primetime show of the week. So the 2022 Hyundai Elantra comes in at an incredible price of $21,999. Miles per gallon capacity of 33 in the city, 43 in the highway. It comes with Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, backup camera, and the comfort of the lane-keeping assist feature. You can check out the 2022 Honda Elantra. I will say the price again because it's pretty incredible, $21,990. You can check that out over at FreemanHyundai.com. Family-owned business for over 65 years. Uh, you get A-plus customer service and, of course, a wide range of new Hyundai vehicles. That's, again, Freeman Hyundai. Com. Let's see some of your... Oh, I got the wrong overlay right now. That, that's from last night's show. Let's see. Let's see some of your answers. Samuel goes with dislike. Gregory says like. It feels like right now, this is somewhat of a split answer from you guys. Because Victor goes with hell no. Uh, Bruce, however, likes it. Kenneth dislikes it. Primetime says hype. I don't know if that's an emoji that doesn't show for me right now. Uh, Craig says, absolutely not. I would rather take Jermaine Johnson. Now, Craig, to be fair, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with you on that. I didn't include Jermaine Johnson. We, we will also talk a little bit about him maybe more than anything because I feel like he's likely unlikely. He, he's highly unlikely to fall Unlike George Kralaftis where I could see that scenario a little bit more uh, possibly. But let's talk about George Kurlaftis. This guy is a production machine, and he was so in Pardue. 14 and a half sacks, 33 tackles for loss in the two healthy seasons that he had combined because there was one year in which he played less than six games. His biggest strength, at least according to uh, Dane Brugler, is a quick first step. But it's the unideal length that gets uh, George Kurlaftis. He is at under 33 inches in arm length, which would put him, according to mockdraftable.com, at the 16th percentile in the NFL. Now, that's bad. And that's, if you would if you'd asked me, is there a reason why George Kurlaftis could fall to the Cowboys all the way down at 24th, that would likely be it the arm length. 
Now, some of the other concerns maybe have to do with gap integrity, how he fares versus the run overall. Yet, not really a huge reason why not to take him. He's got tremendous use of hands. He will win primarily with his hands, maybe, and his explosiveness out of the snap. But George Kralaftis could be a pick, value pick for the Cowboys. As you can see, Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com both have him ranked at, as the 18th best prospect in the 2022 NFL draft. My answer is like, <clears throat> I would like George Kralaftis at 24th. Would he be my ideal pick? Maybe not. But if we're talking about the prospects that look like realistic options, so say Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, and if the Cowboys opt for a George Kralaftis pick, I would like it. More than anything, because although we like to talk about best player available, which in this case, he could very well be the best player available if he's still there, you also need to know that positional value has some weight in these decisions. And an edge rusher is way more complicated to find than maybe a, for example, offensive guard. Now, interesting thing about George Kralaftis that isn't, that isn't uh, brought up enough is the fact that Kralaftis, not that Purdue is a small school because it clearly isn't. It's a Big Ten program. It's produced plenty of NFL players. So it's not a small program. But it's not one of these big name top four kind of schools, right? But Kralaftis actually had offers from Alabama, Michigan, the Fighting Irish, Ohio State, USC. This guy had a lot of offers on the table, but he opted for Purdue. He lived close to the university, so he said, uh, I'm going to take my talent to, to the Boilermakers. I thought that was interesting. I recently learned this, and I was surprised by it. Michael Beer says, Tyler might get picked high, and including uh, Sion and Green, says Michael Beers. Yeah, I, I would guess, Michael, you're talking about Tyler Linderbaum, who even if he's there, and I would assume he's going to be there. I know that the over-under in the betting odds for Tyler Linderbaum is a 27 and a half. You guys remember that, that we talked about this a, about a week ago. Linderbaum is, is an interesting prospect. I would love him in Dallas. I don't know that the Cowboys necessarily would, though. Lumen says, Pardue beat Tennessee. Loved it, says Lumen. And that's coming from a Tennessee Titans fan. Lumen, aren't you a volunteer fan as well? The volunteers, by the way, are killing it in this recruiting process uh, lately with all of the NIL things going around in college football. Maybe someday we'll talk about it as well on primetime. But yeah, Tennessee's having, is putting together a pretty strong recruiting class. Danny Savage says, Brandon's, watch out for Brandon Smith and we play him at edge. Penn State's Toxic Tom owns the Big Ten. Nicholas says, edge class is super deep, though. Now, it is. It is one of the deepest uh, positions in this NFL draft. However, it seems to me like there's a clear drop-off from George Kralaftis to who would be the next. 
the next edge rusher because you're talking about, of course, the top three guys who is uh, who are Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, and Kayvon from Oregon. And then after that, there's Jermaine Johnson and George Kralaftis at some point in the first round. And after that, you're likely talking about second-round prospects and third-round prospects that could very well be there. But if you like Kralaftis way better than those guys, you should definitely consider him at 24th. And you could maybe get an offensive regard later in the draft or even in free agency, right? Worst-case scenario. Ryan Doyle says, Linderbaum sounds like a nuclear war weapon. <laughs> Humphrey says, Danny Savage, four inches taller, 40 pounds heavier, went last pick of second round. Having some discussions on the prospects there in the chat. Anyways, that's for the edge rushers. I think we could also point towards the cornerbacks. We've talked a lot about Derek Stingley falling uh, ESPN had a mock draft not that long ago in which Stingley did end up falling. Small parenthesis, though, before I keep going with the cornerbacks. Guru asks, do we need a new center? No, I, I don't think that the Cowboys need a new center. I'm not against Tyler Biotish. I really am not. I think that he's been solid. I think that he's been smart more than anything for the Dallas Cowboys. Perhaps not the most athletic center, yet he's dealt with his assignments pretty much perfectly. I mean, I'm not saying that he's an elite uh, center or anything like that, of course. Uh, but what I, why I, what I mean by perfectly is that the Cowboys have not really had a lot of communication issues on the offensive line. Sure, there's the blooper in which Tyron Smith turns towards uh, the right on that play versus the Raiders. But I don't think there's something to be concerned about with the Irish. However, if you get Linderbaum, if you get, get the Iowa prospect, you're clearly getting an upgrade. And there's an argument to be made that even if it's not a need, you could be better off. Like if, if you're making the case for Linderbaum, you could say you're better off adding, if you argue that he's the better prospect over Johnson or Green at center, and even if you're still concerned about the left guard, well, he's playing between Tyler Linderbaum and Tyron Smith. And at least you know that you have Connor McGovern and potentially a free agent to pick up in the worst case scenario. Samuel Rose says that Raiders play was hilarious. You know what kind of play that is? In this sort of community, right? Uh, in this sort of community, like the one that we have on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime and, and the channel in general. We know what's up. We know all the Cowboys plays. We know the players. We know these kind of moments. But that Tyron Smith play is the kind of play that I get sent to me every time that it goes viral again on social media by people who don't even care about football, but they're just sending it to me because they know that the Cowboys are my team, right? That's the kind of play that it is. <laughs> and honestly, it doesn't even bother me when it comes from people on the outside of, of the NFL world. But anyways, I don't think that the Cowboys would take Linderbaum, to be honest, at 24th. Let's talk about the cornerbacks, though. Derek Stingley. If he falls, the reason why he would fall 
is definitely the injuries and the down year that he had towards the end of his career. I believe that is pretty much clear to, to everyone. Derek Stingley, because sometimes we talk about the injuries, but we don't portray it, how concerning it is. He missed more games than he played in his last two years in LSU. When you put it that way, you realize why he's seen by many by a potential faller. I will say that 24th feels like way too down for me. I'm not surprised if Derek Stingley falls, say, out of the top 15. But yeah, I am surprised if he makes it to 24th. I would be shocked, actually. Derek Stingley, ranked by Dane Brugler as the 14th best prospect and by Daniel Jeremiah as the 15th best prospect. And out of the first-round cornerbacks that we're likely to see in the 2022 NFL Draft, he might be the one with the best man coverage skills of them all, right? I would love Stingley in Dallas just because he is that instant fit for the Cowboys. The Cowboys were one of the most man-heavy teams in the NFL just last year. So if you're talking about taking a cornerback in the first round, it seems to me that it would have to be a faller. And if it's Stingley, then A-plus, bravo for the Cowboys. Maybe they're taking a risk. I would be up for it, though. Kind of feel like it's very complicated that it happens. Now, there is another, and of course, there is McDuffie from Washington. He has been climbing up the mock drafts rapidly, up the prospect rankings as well. So it seems unlikely that he would be there at 24th. But it takes maybe just one team being high on Derek Stingley to create a domino effect in which McDuffie ends up going late in the first round of the NFL draft. He's been starting since he was a freshman out of Washington. He is more of a balanced kind of cornerback instead of Derek Stingley that majors in man-to-man coverage. With McDuffie, you get a little bit of both. You get man coverage, zone coverage, but the trait that he has that has people praising the Washington prospect is just his mental processing how smart he is. They never catch him off guard. And actually, that's why PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, had this article in which they called them superlatives and they claimed who was the best man-to-man corner, who was the best zone corner. McDuffie got the nod in zone coverage. And the reason why that happened is probably because how fast he processes things after looking at the quarterback and then just knowing where he needs to go. So Trent McDuffie would be amazing with the Cowboys. Gregory, however, says, I would not take McDuffie at 24th. I definitely would, though. I definitely would. Dallas Junk, shout out. Uh, Thank you for being here. He says, sorry, I haven't been active in the chat. Don't worry. Uh, No need to apologize. Danny Savage says, but Dallas plays zone, not man-to-man. Well, not really. The Cowboys were one of the teams with the most man-to-man coverage in the NFL just last year. Dan Queen had the Cowboys playing man-to-man most of the time in 2022. In 2021, excuse me. And it was maybe a little bit of a surprise because everyone dubbed 
uh, Dan Quinn as the cover tree coach because that's what he did when he was uh, building the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Yet the Cowboys were one of the most man-heavy defenses in the NFL. Let's see. Uh, I made it up my mind. I want offensive line first round. Don't care. This is big. Now, we'll talk more about offensive line in just a moment here on the show. Uh, let's see. If we fortify the pass rush, our corners will be fine. Hey, listen. That could be it. But also, you could make the argument for it going the other way around. Because there are some numbers out there that argue that coverage also benefits pass rush a lot. So I think it's about getting the best player available, of course, as we've been saying uh, constantly. Now, I'm trying to look for this, um, for the actual numbers on how many snaps the Cowboys played man-to-man -man coverage over at Sports Info Solutions. But my computer went crazy with it. Oh, here we go. The third highest man-to-man co -man coverage rate in the NFL belongs to the Dallas Cowboys. 30th in zone coverage rate, according to Sports Info Solutions. Their man-to-man -man coverage was the third most in the league. Guru says, what is the biggest concern, offense or defense? That's a pretty good question guru because we could easily say offense just because the cowboys finished the year as the third highest uh, as a third best defense in epa per play and in a wide variety of stats they were in the top five and the top three but i would say that defense is always a concern because it's difficult to put together a defense that remains as strong as the Cowboys were on back-to-back -back years. And we've seen that the trend in the NFL seems to be that offensive efficiency right now is king in this league. Shilkipedia from The Athletic actually put these numbers out, and I don't have them right now. I don't, I don't have the article open or anything like that. But he found that the teams that played in the championship round, in the NFC championship games or AFC championship games, you know, he, he claimed that, it, that the teams that had, say, what was it, that, that were in the top 25% in the league offensively were more likely to make the NFC championship game than those that were in the top 25% of the league defensively. So we've found that they are, that offensive efficiency is king. So I would say offense in short. Uh, Brian says, Mo just burned somebody bad on their false stat. Now, honestly, like it wasn't the goal to, to, to prove someone wrong or anything like that. I just think it's interesting because a lot of people would say that. A lot of people would label the Cowboys defense as a zone one because of Dan Quinn, yet they were one of the teams that played man-to-man -man coverage at the highest rate. And that made them highly successful, by the way. Let's move on from cornerbacks, though. Let's move on from cornerbacks. Uh, McDuffie and Stingley could, of course, 
very well fall. Let's talk about the linebacker, Devin Lloyd. Let me know in the chat, would you take Devin Lloyd if he was there at 24th overall? Linebacker from Utah, that it's different from Nakobe Dean because Dean is this, most, this more traditional kind of linebacker, whereas Devin Lloyd was a safety, turned into a linebacker, so he's this athletic freak kind of hybrid that did a little bit of everything for Utah. Uh, you, you watch his tape, and it's interesting because you see Lloyd in these roles as the middle linebacker, like the Mike, I don't know what they call it in Utah. I think that they call it uh, the Mac. But also you see him play in these nickelback kind of situations as well. The Cowboys were pretty amazed with what Michael Parsons was able to do in 2021. Now, I'm not saying that Devin Lloyd is the next Michael Parsons or anything like that, but Dallas led the NFL, or at least was one of the leaders in the NFL when using versatile players. Jaron Kears, Michael Parsons, even the defensive ends, rushing from a three-point stance, from a two-point stance, using Durant Armstrong as a mocked-up linebacker over the center in the A-gap. Dan Quinn was happy to roll out his defensive players in these hybrid, innovating roles and Devin Lloyd would give you just that. Dane Brugler didn't compare him to Michael Parsons in his draft guide. He compared him to Kenneth Murray. He called him a better version of Kenneth Murray. Devin Lloyd is amazing. Ninth best prospect for, for Brugler. The 12th best from NFLs.com. Daniel Jeremiah. Cowboys Nation agrees with this one. Love Lloyd. Craig says absolutely I have not seen any single negative answer when it comes to Devin Lloyd. Yes and yes and twice on Sunday, says, Mike, says Michael. Everyone is pro-Devin Lloyd. And listen, I know that in the mock drafts, I know that in the mock draft, sometimes it seems like it's not a possibility. Todd Murray's dreaming, uh, says Hutchinson from Michigan. Hey, crazier things have happened. And this is where you guys need to respond. Have they though? <laughs> but yeah, Devin Lloyd, although a top prospect in many of these mock drafts, you never know if a couple of teams do not pick him, how far can he fall, right? Devin over Dean, says Michael. Yeah, Devin Lloyd is also my number one linebacker in this NFL draft. Now, Joe, thank you for the perfect segue. We need to replace Tyron Smith because I don't believe he can stay healthy all year. This one's interesting. What about Trevor Panning from Northern Iowa? The FCS prospect that made a name for himself over at the Senior Bowl. No star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, committed to Northern Iowa. Got to the Senior Bowl and became a first-round prospect. Maybe not just because of the Senior Bowl, but that surely helped 
his draft stock. And if the NFL sees him as a tackle, it seems difficult, in my opinion, for him to make it to 24th. Because there are just a lot of offensive tackle needy teams. And when the Saints made that trade with the Eagles, it screamed that they were trying to get ahead, first and foremost, of the LA Chargers in case they want an offensive tackle. That's part of it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of offensive tackle needy teams that could settle for Trevor Penning. But also, he could fall. Again, this is a very complicated draft to predict. Look at Trevor Penning. By now, you have heard about how nasty he is. You have heard about him bullying defenders on the field, off the field. He got called for five personal fouls <laughs> in college. But it's not only about how nasty he is. It's also about his size. Look at that mock draftable chart. He has a prototype build for an offensive tackle. His 10-yard splits and 20-yard splits in the NFL scouting combine were the fastest among every prospect in 2022. His 10-yard split was on the 93 percentile of 93rd percentile of tack, uh, offensive linemen in the NFL. 97th percentile for the 40-yard dash. But also look at the height, 95th percentile. The weight, 83, 83rd percentile. This guy is built to be an offensive tackle in the NFL, if you ask me. Long arms, tall, balanced body, tremendous use of hands. I know some people will not like how nasty he can be and how he can draw these personal foul flags, but that can be coached up. And also, being nasty is how he wins. He wouldn't be the first offensive tackle to be nasty. That's how some of these guys win in the trenches. They get in the opponent's heads. I would love Trevor Penning with a 24th overall pick. At this point, I am sold. I wanted to drop, to drop back up to drop back up to six spots for another third round pick, says Joe. Danny says, I can deal with him at left guard if no green or, or sailor at guard. Because here's where it also gets interesting. You could play Penning at guard now and maybe push him over to the left side when Tyron Smith hangs them up or, or leaves um, the team for another reason, right? I would absolutely love Trevor Penning in the Dallas Cowboys. Am I optimistic that it could happen? I'm probably not optimistic about many of the prospects that we, ha that we have discussed so far tonight, but I can definitely see it happening. Gregory says, I love his attitude, but it just depends on who is on the board at the time. Todd Morris says, is Evan Neal coming out or staying at Bama for another year? Oh, Evan Neal, not only is he coming out, uh, not only did he declare for the NFL draft, but he's expected to be a top five prospect. He's basically a lock to be a top five pick. If he's not the first offensive tackle taken, he's the second one. And the, the guy that's competing with him would be the NC State prospect. Now, Toxic Tom says, weren't a ton of us just upset on this team for dumb penalties? We were. We indeed were. But if you're not going to draft a, one of these prospects for, for 
penalties and you're not going to like Sion Johnson, Kenyon Green either because those guys got uh, flagged not for discipline penalties, which in my opinion are more easy to be coached up, but by with, but with holdings and things of the sort. I prefer, says Guru, an offensive guard that excelled at offensive guard in college. No more Williams from offensive tackle to OG conversation that high in the draft, says Guru, which I respect. And actually, many talent evaluators in the league evaluate these players in a specific position. And then if he can provide some flex, then that's all good and well. Good for him. That's maybe a plus and a potential tiebreaker, I would guess. But other than that, you want to evaluate and grade a player based on what he can do in the position that you're aiming to play him. I would say that if you take Penning, the long-term plan is to, to play him at tackle. That, that would be my opinion. Mike, and I would, would agree with Michael. He says, our penalized team was not because we were nasty. I agree with it. I agree with that. It was because of performance, right? It's different. Let's see some of your comments here about uh, Trevor Penning. Joe says, we need nasty dogs on that offensive line. We do need that Colombo-like mean streak brood. We have too many safeties, too many softies on our offensive lines as guru. Now, you have so so many good players right on that line as well because you have uh, Martin, you have, of course, uh, Tyrant Smith. I would say maybe Martin's play style is not nasty, but what he does to defenders is pretty na nasty. And Tyrant Smith can be nasty sometimes as well. Ryan says, I will buy you 100 boneless wings, Mo, if, Flo if Lloyd, Devin Lloyd, has a better career than Nakobe Dean. Well, Ryan, since you really didn't include a clause there in which I have to pay you for uh, 100 boneless wings, if the, the opposite is true, then I will take it. That's a risk-free kind of rate of return right there, uh, Ryan, so I will take it. I think the schedule comes out next week, says Lumen. I saw a notification about that, but wasn't it the 12th of May, though? It does come out always after the NFL draft. And I saw they were teasing this not that long ago. I'm thinking it was the 12th of May. Let me see if I can find confirmation. Yeah, May 12th, which is a Thursday. So not next week, but what would that be? Two weeks from now? No, three weeks from now. Tisila says, I'm just excited for the draft. I'm just here because I'm excited for the draft. <laughs> uh, mental mistakes not being nasty, says Todd Murray. Yeah, those two are different. Now, Guru says, I'm more for Sion Johnson over Canyon Green. This is in the, you know, among the topics that I discussed with Bob Sturm from The Athletic on a conversation that you guys will be able to catch next Wednesday night. I'm excited about that episode. It, it was a pretty good conversation. So a little bit of news before I leave you guys tonight and, and context of why the interview has already been recorded. Next Wednesday night, it's a pretty big night. Uh, of course, it's the NFL Draft Eve. And although we always stream the shows live, 
next week on that date, I will be signing my college degree. And they put together this event. It's not my graduation per se, but it's, you know, sort of this can't miss event in which you put your signature on your college degree. I'm nominated for an award and I'm excited about that with my generation. Uh, an award in, they call it student groups, which is basically, you know, being uh, president of the, I don't know what's, how do you guys call it in English, uh, but like the students' government bodies, right? Things of the sort. So I'm not going to be able to, to be here on Wednesday night. But I said, I cannot let, I, I cannot let the primetime audience to, to hang, right? I cannot leave them hanging without quality content. So I said, let me get a big guest on the show. And that was Bob Sturm. It's a pretty good conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. So be on the lookout for that the night before the NFL draft. We talk all about the wide receivers, the 24th overall pick, the Zion Johnson versus Kenyon Green debate. And, you know, talking with Bob Sturm, pretty insightful. The guy is a genius when it comes to football. Class president says Nicholas. Well, yeah, but it's not, not exactly that. <laughs> no excuse, Moses. Toxic Tom. Skip that for the show, Mo. <laughs> uh, thank you to Ryan. Michael asks, what's your degree in, Mo? Oh, it's on finance administration. I love it. Uh, I love sports more, but I also like my, my degree. And, and, and I'm excited about just getting graduated from college, to be honest. Uh, thank you to Charlene. Thank you to, to Guru and to all of you guys who don't miss prime time. So wanted to let you in on that. A preview for next week. It's going to be amazing. But I will see you on Sunday night. Thank you for joining the show. We are seven days away from the 2022 NFL draft. I'm excited about that. I uh, hope that you enjoy your weekend, guys. Let me get out of here. But before, let me remind you that primetime is brought to you by our friends over at FreemanHyundai.com. And hey, let's let's get rooting for the Dallas Mavericks. Here we go. Thank you guys for tuning in. Smash the like button. Share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about ADC Sports Dallas uh, primetime and enjoy your weekend. Thank you to everyone for your comments. Uh, that's amazing, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. See you on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Central.